Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. In the very first pages of our Bible, there's a story about how God created everything from nothing. In the beginning, scripture tells us there was just the creative capacity of God and a blank canvas. Now, of course, science has complicated that, but if we look at the first chapters of Genesis as a poem, as a painting, as a early description of who God is, rather than trying to use that story to describe exactly how the earth came to be. We can start to see a really beautiful picture about what God intends for all of humanity. It's really beautiful, right? So over the course of six days, God creates aspects of the world as we know it. God separates from the sky, from the earth, separates the waters from the dry land, allows vegetation to grow, encourages life to sprout up all over the earth, allows fish and birds and animals to take hold of this land. And just by that simple process, we see that creation itself sustains itself. And on the last day of creation, the sixth day, as the Bible describes it, and the fullness of a week. The first of humanity is born. With pretty clear parameters about what humanity's intentions were. Humanity was created in the image of God, bearing the likeness of God. That means that we hold, in some ways, power to create and destroy. In some ways, it means that we, through one another's eyes, get to see a broader picture of who God is. But in the beginning of time, God created all of humanity across the spectrum of gender with the capacity for fruitfulness and the capacity for sustaining all life, not just human life, but plant and animal life as well. Humanity was given the power, the privilege, the authority, and the responsibility to serve on God's behalf within creation to allow life to flourish. And if we were to continue reading scripture, we would see how complicated both that responsibility and that authority is. Because for many of us uh, as human beings, we have, we seem to have this propensity to choose authority first rather than responsibility. We see our capacity to create and our capacity to destroy as gifts rather than seeing the inherent responsibility required of them. And so throughout human history, as described in our Bible, we see people, we see kingdoms, we see nations choose authority and power over compassion and sustainability and love. And that becomes a pattern that gets played out. And so as scripture is told and as life continues forward, we see this constant interplay between 
our capacity to destroy and our capacity to bring new life. And whenever God seems to be most at work, it's when human beings decide to use what power they have for the capacity of fruitfulness, the capacity of abundance, the capacity of compassion. And when we see God start to slip out of stories, we start to notice that humanity has chosen to use its power to subdue, oppress, and bring pain. All of that is held within this balance of how we carry the identity of God with us. We have a regular daily choice about how we carry that image in our walk through life. And some people, good and holy people, are able to reflect God more clearly. We can see God a little bit more easily in the steps that they take and the work that they do and in the life that they live. And others of us, we uh, hold people in society with judgment over them. Many of us insisting that there are folks who no longer even bear a resemblance to God, claiming good and evil. And that's just sort of a fact of life. And we see that play out from Adam and Eve's decision to eat of the wrong tree all the way through our current political scene and our current lives. We see those choices, that duality between good and evil, where God is present or God is absent. And we see within our own lives our capacity to choose divine love or neglecting divine love in order to pursue something that makes us happy or feel strong or excited. Now, those things aren't always mutually exclusive, but often when we let go of the presence of God, we're guided most by our ego and our need to demonstrate our own sense of strength rather than trusting in the strength of God to provide enough for all people. So that's sort of the work of what it means to be human. How do we live within this world as it exists now, where there are so many temptations away from the presence of God, that it can be very easy to be pulled away from our identity within God's creation? How do we turn our attention back to who God is, allowing God's reflection to shine ever more brightly in my own eyes? That's the project of being human. And so each of us, to some extent, still bears the image of God. Each of us carries the likeness of God within us. Each of us carries the light of Christ within us. And it's our work of faith to allow that flame to burn more brightly and allow that presence to shine more um, essentially within us. So anyway, that can be a really complicated project, and we see that play out, right? Again, we see faithful people make difficult decisions that bring suffering to others throughout all of Scripture, and we see God confront that infliction of suffering over and over and over again, even allowing the nation created for God's honor and for God's glory be pulled down because they had started using the power and privilege afforded to them by God to oppress, sometimes even their own kin, but especially their neighbors, allowing their minds and hearts and spirits to be pulled away towards 
the worship of things that are not God, whether they be money or wealth or political allegiances or whatever the case may be. And so it's into that chaotic world that we start to see a new story emerge. And we see this most especially in the Gospel of John. We've been reading through the Gospel of John together for the past several weeks, reading really pretty big chunks of scripture at a time, looking at the ways of how Jesus shows up. But if you read the very first chapter of John's Gospel, we see a new sort of creation story, right? In the beginning was the Word, the abundance of God's voice speaking new life into that blank canvas. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Nothing existed before the Word itself was spoken. And what we learn as we read that first chapter in our Gospel of John is that Jesus embodies the Word of God. So Jesus, in many ways, is sort of a step um, closer to the image of God uh, than any other human that's ever lived. Jesus embodies that perfect presence of God. And what we see in the first chapter, as Jesus is starting to be described as the one who brings all of creation into existence, we see a man named John, his cousin, but also a prophet, living in the wilderness. We see John say, here is this man. Here is this man who is greater than me. I am not fit to tie his sandals. And Jesus' ministry throughout the Gospel of John reflects that passion, reflects that absolute presence of God. It seems like God emanates from him. He lives with grace. He lives with compassion. He doesn't confront with anger and vitriol to a political scene. He instead confronts his own people through a lens of faith, calling them to a higher standard of grace and love and faithfulness. And it is that call to a renewal of the religious folks to be compassionate, to become, become more loving, and to attune to the presence of God living in them and beyond them that the people who are in religious authority condemn him for. And so as Jesus lives out his ministry, bringing um, new life and even new identity to people who'd been pushed to the margins of their own society, as he's doing this incredible and miraculous work, feeding people who are hungry, healing people who are sick, calling people back into community who've been pushed aside, as he's doing this incredible work, the people who were pastors of the day and pastors to Jesus' own community start to condemn him because he refuses to get in line within the political and religious hierarchy. Instead of following in their footsteps, he subverts the work that they're doing to maintain their own power and instead offers new life to the people that they have already condemned. And it's because of that that the religious people in the first century bring Jesus before Pontius Pilate in order to use the state's politics to have him executed 
It's really a wild scene. And many of us know the story well. The Passion and Easter story are some of the most best-known stories within our Christian tradition, even for people who are beyond um, the church and our faith community. But as they bring Jesus before Pontius Pilate, Pilate finds that Jesus isn't guilty of anything. Jesus doesn't claim for himself to be a king. Instead, these uh, religious authorities claim that he has said that he is a king. And then as Pilate says that he's a king, Jesus doesn't receive that. He claims authority from God and not from this world. And so it turns into this really interesting conversation where Pilate is trying to both explain to the religious leaders that there's nothing for him to be condemned for while also maintaining his commitment to keep the status quo in the area that he's been given rulership over. And that's exactly what the religious leaders do in the first century. As soon as Pontius Pilate starts to say that Jesus might not be guilty of something, they start calling out to him saying, well, what will Rome think if you claim that he is not guilty? What will Rome think if you allow someone who has been claiming to be king is given his life back? What Pontius Pilate knows is that he will be killed by the Roman state. If not killed, he'll be excommunicated and sent far away. <laughs> you can't do that. So effectively what happens is the religious people use the politics of the first century to condemn the very presence of God because he comes as a threat to their power. And before Jesus is crucified, we see for a second time, someone beyond the faith of Jesus say, here is this man, the Son of God, the Word of God made flesh. Two faith claims made in the very beginning of the gospel and the very end of the gospel about who Jesus is. John the Baptist was executed early on in Jesus's ministry because of the work that he was doing as a prophet, calling the people to turn their hearts and minds to this Jesus figure, to God through this Jesus figure. And then Pontius Pilate, who is really in this story, no more than a pawn being used in a game to condemn the most clear image of God that we have seen to date. The work of humanity is bearing the image of God into the world. But too often, we allow our own egos, our own need to maintain what comforts we have, what structures we benefit from. And so when anything calls us out of our comfort, out of our structures, out of our affinities, out of our um, little political silos or community silos or whatever the case may be, when anything calls us out of that, they become for us a threat and we start to condemn the image of God 
and the people who represent that threat. And so in our own lives, on a regular basis, we have a capacity to celebrate and honor the image of God in our neighbors or in Christ. And we have the capacity to deny the image of God in our neighbors or in Christ. That's a consistent choice that lies before us. Do we get pulled along by the influence of a crowd, by the influence of authority, by the influence of power and structures? Or do we allow the still small voice of God to call us out and call us in to a more faithful, abundant life where we don't have to exist as enemies but instead can live in the same abundant, thriving, interconnected world that was painted for us in the first moments, the first week of creation. Could you imagine what it would look like if we committed ourselves to sustaining the beauty of God's creation by first acknowledging the presence of God even in our enemies and then learning to build healthy structures that sustain both creation and our community so that we could thrive in an abundance that is sustained by something greater than us. May we all dream such dreams together. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.